Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Well, I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. Anybody love Christmas? I love the, the, the decorations at Christmas and the lights. And, you know, I mean, I'm kind of strange. I like snow. Um, you know, I, 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 like, I like this season. I mean, I, I like Christmas. I like Christmas caroling. And, and, uh, and I also like Christmas movies. Does anybody like Christmas movies? Yeah, I mean, there are just some really fun Christmas movies. There are some great Christmas movies that are happening. And over the years, I've noticed a reoccurring theme every Christmas that, that you tend to see in, in Christmas movies. And, and, and it has nothing really to do with the Christmas story in the Bible, yet it, yet it kind of does in a certain way. There's a, there's a theme that I see over and over again, and the theme is hope. It's hope. I mean, in White Christmas, what's the hope? The hope is for snow, Right. They need snow to come, and it ends up leading to a hope of of true love as well. I mean, come on, what's a good Christmas movie without the Hallmark moment and the true love? Not that White Christmas is a Hallmark movie, much better than a Hallmark movie. Um, How about It's a Wonderful Life, right? The hope of finding purpose and finding joy again in life. Finding one's purpose. There is hope, or How the Grinch Saved Christmas, there's the hope that even somebody who's grouchy and grumpy and somebody who, who just seems to be a very uh, depraved person might find hope and caring and, and some kind of joy in their heart around Christmas. You can go on and on and on. But, but hope, in fact, the word hope is something that I think sometimes we, we throw around without thinking. We, we say things like, boy, I, I, I really hope the Browns will win the next time they play which is not today, thank God. We can't handle anymore, right? I hope the Indians really consider changing their name back. No, I'm just kidding. Isn't that terrible? Why did I say that? No, I, I hope I get an A in this class, right? We, we, have, we, think, we say things, I hope I get an A in this class, or, or, or uh, you know, I, I, I really hope that, 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 that she likes me, or I hope he likes me, or, or I really hope that, that, that you know, uh, that, there's, there, that I make a difference in the world, or I really hope that we'll find peace on earth and goodwill to a man. We, 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 we throw around the word hope a lot. We use this small little magical word and, and, and it's tough to live one day at a time without hope. In fact, hope is really important to us as we live. When you lack hope, that's when, uh, that's when you lack joy. That's when depression, that's when problems seem to come in. That's when you begin to, when you lose hope, it, it, it's very difficult to move on. And, and, uh, and, and so uh, at times, I think we, 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 we don't know what the word hope means. So I, I want to kind of define out the word hope today. Define out the word hope. And here's how I'm going to define it out. Hope is a vision for better days. Hope is a vision for better days that changes us in the present. Hope is a vision of better days that changes us in the present. It's, it's about knowing that there's something better up ahead. There, there's something different around the corner. That's why I think as we, we head into December, what's in the back of our minds is New Year's, right? New Year's. And what do we do at New Year's? Well, let me evaluate how this 
past year was and the things that I liked and the, and the things that weren't. And, 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 and you know what? What can we change? Because it's a new year. It's a new day. I have hope that something is going to be better. The hope of something better, the hope that maybe this year I'll get a better job, or maybe this year, uh, you know, my grades will turn around if I end school. Maybe, maybe this year I'll get a raise. Maybe this year, the hope of better days. And, and the hope of better days can change our, us in, in the present. So using that example, if I want uh, I hope to get an A, hopefully it changes my study methods. If I'm studying, hopefully I study a little harder. If I want to get a raise, hopefully I will work a little harder showing my employer that I'm doing a good job that, that they'll see and they'll give a raise, right? That's not always the case. If you're a child growing up, the, the, the power of hope, I hope at Christmas that, that I get this toy that I want or I, I get this gift that I want. And so what am I going to do? I, it changes me in the present because in the present, I, I'm going to see if the ads come in the newspaper. If anybody gets a newspaper anymore, that's the way it was when I was growing up. You get the ads that would come and you get there and you start circling in the catalogs, the toy catalogs thing that you want. Anybody do that when they were a kid growing up? And you kind of place that strategically. Right? Today, I think, you know, everybody with phones and technology, you probably just like go on Amazon or you go somewhere and you start sending your parents links or pictures of the things that you want. Right? That's like the new way of circling the category. Why? Because you're hoping it changes in the present. Your, your decisions in the present are impacted by what you hope is going to happen in the future. There's power in hope. Hope for better days. And, and I believe that hope is something that has innately been put in each of us. In each of our lives, there's a hope. There's a hope for better days. It's, it's one of those things that keeps us, keeps us going day in and day out is this hope that there's something better. It's something innately that happens. And so as I was just praying about this Christmas season and, and uh, just spend some time going, Lord, what, where, where do you want us to go? What, what, do you, what do you want us to focus on in December, in this time that surrounds your birth, and, and as we highlight, what do you want us to, to just focus on? And I really felt the Lord just continue this, this word over and over and over again in my spirit, and it was hope. In fact, it was three words. There is hope. There is hope. It, it, is, it is no secret that, that the last almost year and a half to two years have been very difficult. Right? I mean, it's been hard. Let's face it. COVID has changed a lot of things in our world. A lot of things that we don't know if they will ever go back to the way it was. It's impacted. For some, it's impacted because of loss. They've lost a loved one due to COVID and their lives are never going to be the same. For some, it's been division in families, division over this virus and over how to handle this virus and vaccine or no vaccine or, 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 or do, I, do I wear a mask or don't I wear a mask and is it political or is it health or is it somewhere in the middle or what it is. It's literally divided families and it's divided our country and it's divided churches. Over this last year, we've seen a huge political divide. It was already divisive, but even more so. And, 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 and so we see people taking sides and people are angry. 
People are upset. And you get on social media and everybody is and you can't say anything without somebody attacking you if they don't believe the same thing that you believe or see it the same way. Civility is out the door. For some, they can't get enough employees and so they're working so, so much that they're saying, I don't know how I'm even gonna get through this. Is there any hope? And for others, they can't find a job. Even though there seems to be thousands out there, they can't find a job. And am I going to have enough money to be able to make it and pay my bills? And that's just, that's just this little thing. That's not the day-to-day things we were dealing with before COVID. When all of a sudden you start to experience a problem or you feel a lump or you have a, and you go to the doctor and all of a sudden your world is turned upside down. Because you're diagnosed with cancer. Our world needs hope. Our world needs hope. Is there going to be better days? Are things going to turn around? Morally speaking, biblically speaking, our culture is so far away from Christ and the Bible and and, and in darkness and celebrating darkness, just as scripture said that it would, and things that are light, persecuting and and calling the things that, that, that are light and that are good, bad, and calling the things that are bad, good. That's the world in which we live in. Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Right? Hope is powerful. And as I was reading Matthew 12, 18 to 21, quoting from the prophet Isaiah, Matthew writes this about Jesus. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. Megan had no idea what I was preaching, by the way, when she chose the set. And his name will be the hope of all the world. Don't tell me the Holy Spirit isn't trying to speak something to us. His name will be the hope of all the world. Whose name? Jesus. His name will be the what? The hope. This in Isaiah was prophesied long before Jesus ever came. His hope will be the name. His name will be the hope of all the world. Jesus would come and and a, and a, 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 a flickering candle wick. He would not snuff out. And, a, and a, a, a fragile, broken reed, he would, he would not crush. There's hope. No matter how dark it seems, no matter how broken you may feel, no matter how much at the end of your wick, and it seems like maybe there's just an ember, but there's not much, and it's about ready to go out. Friends, there is hope, and the hope is found in the name of Jesus Christ. His name is the hope of all the world. There is hope. And I, I, I just was saying, Lord, where do you want? Where are we going? And the Lord began to take me on a journey that led me into the Old Testament. 
And a pastor says, it's not an Advent pastor. I said, Jesus, you want me to preach this at Advent? You want me to preach this about Christmas? This isn't like the, the I'm going to connect it to the Christmas story, but, but Jesus, this passage, I mean, yes, it's a prophetic passage about you coming, but it's, it's not typically a passage in the Advent. As Matthew quoted from Isaiah, taking place during a dark time for Israel and, and Judah, hope for better days, I want to introduce you to a passage found by another prophet, a guy by the name of Jeremiah. Anybody ever heard of the prophet Jeremiah? Let me introduce you to Jeremiah. Around the year 627 BC, Jeremiah would have been probably about junior high, middle school age. And about that time in his life, God came to him. And this is what God told him in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I pointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was called by God. Jeremiah was created with purpose. He was called by God. And God had put his calling upon him that even as a teenager, as a middle school teenager, that he would be called to be a prophet to the nations. Fast forward 40 years and Jeremiah is still a spiritual leader for his community. But the nation of Israel, and particularly the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom where he was at, was in crisis. The year was 587 BC, and at this point, as we talked about in the Daniel series, if you were with us over the summer, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and the Babylonian army was coming and besieging against Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. It wasn't the first time that it had been attacked but this was the time that, 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 that it was a dark time, a time when they had set up around the city where the city was being attacked. And during that time, inside the city of Jerusalem, there was starvation. There was an, a king, he was an uncle of someone, a king who had been carried away. His name was Zedekiah. And Zedekiah was king at that time, and Zedekiah still thinks that there is hope that he can beat the Babylonian king. He can beat Nebuchadnezzar, and, and, and so he keeps trying to fight back. And Jeremiah the prophet starts to speak to him, and he says to the king, and I'm just going to summarize, all right, we'll just, we'll just use the, the New Aaron translation, all right, the NAT, all right, just, just kind of summarize it for a moment. Zedekiah. Here's what God says. It's over. This is a part of my judgment for years and years and years and years of idolatry and years and years and years of injustice and years and years and years of breaking my law and breaking my commandments and being like the other nations around you rather than honoring me as king. Guess what? Nebuchadnezzar coming against you. This is a part of my judgment. Here's the thing. If you will surrender, it will go well with you. If you will surrender, you will find that in that surrendering, there will be life in Babylon. It will be a time of exile. Yes, you will not be here in Jerusalem and a part of the land that I have chosen for I'm going to give the land rest but if you go you will find that there is life but if you do not if you persist in rebellion then your life is going to be destroyed judgment is going to come you can do this the easy way or you can do this the hard way what do you think Zedekiah chose the hard way. Why? Because that's what we choose. We're, the, we're, we're Zedekiah. Yeah, look at Zedekiah. Ooh. That's the human condition. To do things our own way, the hard way, rather than God's way. Why? 
because he had other prophets in his ear. And there were all these other people in his ear and they were going, oh, no, 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 no. God's not gonna do this. We're God's chosen people. See what God has done before. God will do it again. We're God's chosen people. He cannot. Jerusalem is his city. He, he's not gonna go back on what he did. He's gonna give us victory. And Zedekiah, I'm prophesying to you that God is going to give you victory. Hold firm, hold fast. God's gonna give you victory. And they looked at Jeremiah and they said, Jeremiah, see, he, he is not being loyal to his nation. He's a traitor to his nation. He's a crackpot. You can't listen to him. Don't listen to him. And so what did they do? They took Jeremiah and they threw him down in a cistern. They locked him away in a prison, in a jail. At one point, they, they threw him in a cistern. And Jeremiah kept warning them that these false prophets were only offering false hope and cheap grace. In fact, in Jeremiah 6.14, he said, They dressed the wounds of my people as though they were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. These prophets were, 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 were saying, peace, it's going to be okay. Peace, peace, and there is no peace. They were dressing the wounds of my people. As if it was, as if there was not really any seriousness to the wound. They weren't addressing the wound. And Jeremiah is saying, no, 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 no. You've got to look deeper, king, because this is not a military thing. This is not a physical thing. This is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual thing. My people have rejected my covenant and they have not repented of their adultery and their idolatry. They've not repented and therefore judgment is coming because this isn't a matter of military might. This is a matter of the heart spiritually. King Zedekiah didn't like the message of Jeremiah. And in the midst of these very grim and dark historical circumstances as Jeremiah sits in a dirty prison cell misunderstood persecuted being hunted down labeled and derided he will proclaim some of the most powerful words of hope that we find in the Old Testament the entire Hebrew Bible Jeremiah's chapter 30 to 33 often called the book of consolation or these chapters the book of hope we notice that according to the Bible there is a vision given by God to Jeremiah in the midst of the dark circumstances, a message of hope, a message of hope. Jeremiah 33, 14, that's where we're gonna begin. And we're just gonna look at about three verses today in this passage, Jeremiah 33, 14. The days are coming, the days are coming, the days are coming, come on future. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise that I made to the people of Israel, and Judah. The days are coming. There's hope for better days. The days are coming. The days are coming. And throughout the Old Testament, there's hints and there's pictures and there are clues of the same thing that better days are coming. Better days are coming. And this ought to, this ought to take our breath away that in the midst of the darkness of this time, God declared better days are coming. That is hope. That is hope. That is hope. And there's three characteristics about hope that I want to share from this passage. And the first is this. Number one, hope is about a promise. Hope is about a promise. This was a, a promise. This was a promise. God declares to the prophet Jeremiah, the days are coming. Look at this. When I will fulfill the good, what's the word there? Promise. Hope is about a promise, friends. 
Hope is about a promise. And against the darkness that was facing the nation of, uh, of Judah, against the darkness of that backdrop and the Babylonians attacking the city and starvation in the city and not sure what's to come, God says, there is hope for the days are coming where I will fulfill my good promise. In other words, guess what? Just because it's dark now doesn't mean I'm finished. God says, I'm not finished yet. Friends, can I just, can I encourage you today that in the midst of the darkness that's happening in our nation, that God is not finished yet. God is not finished yet. God is still on the throne. He is the one that in the end, he still wins. God is not finished yet. It doesn't matter how dark your circumstances. When God has made promises in his word, they are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And he's reminding them, listen, I made a promise to you. Now hope is about a promise, a promise for a better tomorrow, a, a brighter future. But as you know, there are people who break promises, right? We see it every political cycle. I promise we're going to do this. I'll get in there and we'll turn things around. I'll get in there and this is going to, I promise that's what I'm going to do. And then, and promises get broken. Right? We see it in marriage. I promise to love you, to have and to hold in sickness and in health. Good. Poor. For richer, for poor. In sickness and in health. Oh, but I didn't see it like this. I thought you were the right person for me, but boy, you're just not meeting my needs the way that I, that I thought you would. You're just not the person that I, th I thought we'd have better days in our marriage. I thought we'd be rich by now. I thought we'd have a house by now. I thought we'd have a new car by now. I thought we wouldn't be struggling financially right now. I, 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 thought, you, I thought you'd like me better. I don't think you like me anymore. You say you love me. I don't think you like me. Oh, you got sick. I didn't think it was going to be like this. I thought we'd be richer, not poorer. I thought we'd be in health, not in sickness. What happened to that promise? What happened to that promise now? See, promise is only good as the promise keeper, as the one who makes the promise, Right? Jennifer Kennedy Dean wrote, a promise is only as good as the person who makes it. The character of the promises is what gives the promise its value. So what's God's, if God's the one making the promise, what's God's record like? Right? If God's the one making the promise, then what's God's record like? We've got to put God on trial. Let's put God on trial. God, what is your record like? If you're a promise-keeping God, what is your record like? Well, take, for example, God's promise all the way back to Abraham. At that point, it'd be Abram. And he called him out of Ur the Chaldees. And, and at that point, his name was Abram. And, and this is what he says to him. He says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Leave everything that you have and go. To a land that I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you. Curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. You know what? And, and what did Abraham do? What did Abram do? He trusted God's promise and he left everything that he knew. He left on a promise of God. Not anything that he had in his hand. On a promise of God. 
a promise that God was going to, to, to he didn't even have a son at that point, but God was going to make him into a family. And, and that God was going to give him a, a land. And then when he shows up, and this is the land that God has given him, it's occupied. It's the land of Canaan. It's occupied by others. And no sooner does he get there that there's a famine in the land. And he ends up taking a detour to Egypt. And at that point, he kind of lies and says to Sarah, I'm afraid for my life. Tell him you're my sister, not my wife. And then there's this whole thing and kerfuffle that happens. But when Abraham is faithless, guess what? God is faithful and God brings him back. And, and throughout, you continue to see that even though he doesn't completely occupy the land ever in his time, in his life, God renews the promise. And eventually, even after he tries to make the promise come true about a son with Ishmael, God is still faithful when he is faithless. And when his wife, Sarah, is 90 years of age and he's 100 years old, God fulfills his promise by giving them a son, Isaac. Right? And then God removes that covenant promise with Isaac and with Jacob, right? Better days. Abraham, I want you to leave all because of a promise, a hope of better days. A hope of better days. A hope of better things yet to come. Better than you have right now. In Psalm 105, it recounts this journey. I'm not going to read the whole thing at all. But verse 16 says that, that God called for a famine upon the land. How did God fulfill his promise to Abraham? Well, let me tell you the detours that happened. God called a famine upon the land. And then in verse 17, he said, a man before them who was sold for a servant. Anybody know who that was? A guy by the name of Joseph, Right? God turned their hearts, meaning the Egyptians, to hate his people in verse 25. And then he sent darkness and he turned waters into blood and frogs and flies and lice and hail and locusts and smote all the firstborn in the land. What's that all about? The plagues against Egypt. Wait a minute. How many years after the promise to Abraham did that happen? It wasn't immediate. In fact, they spent 430 years as slaves. In the land of Egypt. But God had a plan. And God continued to work out that plan. Why? Because God is a covenant promise keeping God. God keeps his promises. When God sent a famine, he was keeping his promise. When, when he sold Joseph as a slave, as, as hard as that might seem to figure out, God was keeping his promise. When God sent the ten plagues, he was keeping his promise. When God, when God did, did when, when they were wandering in the wilderness, right? They're, they're out, they're wandering in the wilderness, they're hungering and they're thirsting. And God brings them water from a rock and, and brings them manna from heaven every day. God was keeping his promise. God was keeping his promise. When Israel was unfaithful, God was keeping his promise. In verse 42 says this about God's promise to Abraham and to Israel for he remembered his sacred promise to his servant Abraham why did God do what he did why did God fulfill what he did why did God continue to do what he was doing every time Israel was unfaithful why did God continue to be faithful because of his promise because our promise keeping God is reliable 
He's reliable. Consider another example against the backdrop of the time of the judges. And that's where we opened 2021 talking about the, the time of the judges. And a very dark time when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. You, you see another story. It's a, it's a story in the days there about a lady by the name of Ruth who wasn't even an Israelite. She was a Moabitess. <laughs> and, and her bitter mother-in-law, Naomi... And, and against the darkness of judges, all of a sudden you see a story of God's redemption in a gracious kinsman redeemer by the name of Boaz. Against the darkness of judges when everybody is doing what's right in their own eyes. God is fulfilling his promise through a bitter widow by the name of Naomi and her Gentile daughter-in-law where they never should have been in the first place by the name of Ruth. And yet God turns it around and redeems it through a kinsman redeemer by the name of Boaz. And when you get to the end, (laughs) I love it. You get this glimmer of hope in a genealogy that says that Ruth was the grandmother of David. David, right? David, who was the ultimate provision, right? Because through David would come another covenant that would God would make, and through that covenant would be someone, a king in line of, of the kingdom of David, whose kingdom would last forever, and his name is what? Jesus, the hope of all the nations. Friends, there is hope. <laughs> Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, will he not do it, or has he, or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? See, when we talk about hope, hope is based on a promise, but the promise is only good, friends, as the promise keeper. And the promise keeper has a pretty good track record. Christmas is an incredible reminder that we can depend on God to faithfully carry out every promise that he's made to us. It's a reminder that Jesus is the redeemer and the redeemer has come and hope is found in his name. Oh, I gotta hurry up. Number two, hope is about a person. I've already led into this, right? It's, it's not a, a vision of, of a better future. It's just wishful thinking. It's not just wishful thinking because this, this promise is not based just simply on a promise. It's based on a specific person. Hope is not wrapped up in a season or a program or a new job or a better spouse or a bigger house. Hope is wrapped up in a person. Look at verse 15. Jeremiah 33, 15. In those days, at at, at that time, I'll make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. And he will do what is just and right in the land. This is hope in the midst of darkness. This is hope based on a promise that in David's line, listen, listen, Israel, Babylon is coming against you. Listen, Jerusalem, Babylon is coming against you. But guess what? It's just a season and it's not over for hope is found not simply in a promise, but also in a person. And that person is a righteous branch that will spring from the line of David. And his name is Jesus. He is the Messiah. King David was a flawed man. He had an imperfect man, imperfect king. Yes, he was a warrior and a man of justice, but he was also flawed and imperfect, yet a man after God's own heart. And yet God had made a promise 
and a covenant with David, a better covenant that would not have its fulfillment in David's son Solomon who would then take over. Not in his son Rehoboam who would take over after or any king after that, Hezekiah, Josiah, or any other Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, whatever else those names are that come. It was not found in any of those kings for they too were flawed. But there would be a righteous branch that would spring up from the line of David and he would be the Messiah. Christmas is all about our Messiah, the Lord, our righteousness and the fulfillment of God's promise, this branch. Matthew goes into great detail, right in the beginning, chapter one, fulfillment of the promise, and he opens the gospel with a, a detailed genealogy. And that genealogy details the promise of God being kept with his covenant to Abraham all the way down through in his covenant that he had made to David and the promise he had made through Jeremiah about a righteous branch coming from the line of David. And you have Abraham to David and from David and it ends like this in verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary and Mary gave birth to Jesus who is called the Messiah. The righteous branch. We see hope is found in a person, in the person of Jesus. Righteousness in the Bible is a relational term. In other words, a righteous person is somebody that not only lives right with God, but right with other people as well. Unfortunately, the Bible says that as far as you and I go, there is none righteous, no, not one. That even our righteous acts, according to Isaiah, are as filthy rags. There's none righteous. Perhaps sometimes we get it right part of the time, but none of us get it right all of the time. Yet in this branch is a promised one, the Messiah, the one who is called the Lord, our righteousness. In other words, the one who gets it right all the time. The only one righteous human who ever lived. The ultimate right relationship with God, a better future and eternity that comes through Jesus. You see, our righteousness comes through him. For in our sinfulness and unrighteousness, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. Consider what the angel of the Lord said to Joseph, Matthew 1, 20 to 23. Consider this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do you see the, the, the two names? Jesus, he will save his people from their sins and Emmanuel, God with us. In other words, through the salvation that Jesus has to offer comes the promise that God is with us, that we are never alone, that God has come and God is with us. And as we receive Christ into our lives, his Holy Spirit lives in us, in us. Not only is he with us, but lives in us. In us, it reminds us that, that God is a promise-keeping God, as Hebrews 7.22 says, that Jesus is the one who guarantees a better covenant. Why? Because hope is about a person. Hope is about a person. Number three, hope changes us in the present. I live with this, but I want to get back into it because hope's just not about hoping for better days. It's not just about the better days. It's not just about it, but it's about 
that that hope in better days, if it's truly hope, if it's truly what we have faith in, what we believe is going to happen, then it changes how we live in the present. See, we can go through Christmas and we can watch the Christmas movies and read the Christmas story in the Bible and remember that Jesus came as a, a little baby in a manger and, and, and he was God's promise. But if that's all we do is just remember the little highlights and get all ooey-gooey over it and oh, how wonderful and what a nice little story that is, but it doesn't bring about change in how we live, then we have missed the purpose and missed the story and missed the hope of Christmas. Christmas isn't just about inactive waiting. It's about the decisions we make in the present. Jeremiah, jumping back, let's go back a chapter. We're in chapter 33. Let's go back to chapter 32. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of Babylon coming against uh, the city of Jerusalem, and, and Jeremiah even knowing that judgment is coming, there's a story. And for time's sake, I'm just going to summarize it again as the year 587 B.C. The, the, the Babylonian army is hammering against Jerusalem. Jeremiah knew they'd break through. He knew they'd conquer the city. And yet, Jeremiah's uncle paid him a visit while he's in prison. So Jeremiah's sitting in prison, and he gets a visitor. Anybody in prison, you like a visitor. The visitor comes, and it's his uncle. And his uncle says, hey, I've got this plot of land. I've got this piece of property, Jeremiah, and I want you to buy it from me. Well, if you know anything about real estate, that's, that is really not... That's not a good time to buy property, right? That's really not a good time. That, you're not, that's really, you know, Babylon's coming in. I mean, uh, we don't even know what the future holds. So, yeah, I'm going to turn over my money and I'm going to buy property right now at this time when these days are so dark. And I'm sitting in prison, not even sure if I'm going to get out. But sure, let me buy property. But you know what? Jeremiah did. At the encouragement in the word of the Lord, Jeremiah did. Why? Because he knew the promise of God that, that the time in Babylon would be 70 years and then they would return. And Jeremiah had a promise of hope that yes, he might be away for a little while, but one day he would come back. One day that piece of property, that piece of inheritance would be something that he would reclaim one day. So yes, he was going to purchase it because he not just had a, a hope of better days, but his hope of better days impacted his decision in the present. And that decision was, okay, I'll buy this property now in the present because of my hope of what's coming in the future. Friends, the decisions that we make now ought to be impacted by the hope that we have in the future. And here's this hope that we have right now, that Jesus not only came then, Advent is not just about the hope of Jesus coming then and remembering that God fulfilled his promise through Jesus then, but it's the hope for a better tomorrow that Jesus has said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. We see it with Joseph's decision, right? So, so Joseph, you know, he finds out that Mary, he's betrothed to Mary and Mary's pregnant. And he's like, whoa, I know I'm not the father. She must have, I, I don't know what happened, but, uh, you know, she got this story. But, I, I mean, who really can believe it? An angel appeared and, you know, you're going to, you know, can see. We know how this birds and the bees things works, you know. I, I don't know. And Joseph, it says, was a righteous man. In other words, he, he wanted to do what was right. And he, he really didn't want to expose Mary to public shame. And, and he was thinking, boy, I really think I need to break off this engagement. And, and I, I, oh, I, my, this is not what I bargained for. 
how do I get out of this thing, you know? And, and I, but, but quietly, I really don't want to put her to shame. And, and so uh, he's pondering all of these things and, 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 and thinking about putting Mary away secretly and ending the relationship and all of that. An angel of the Lord visits him, right? And, and the angel of the Lord uh, says, uh, the angel of the Lord shares what happens and, 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 and says, hey, in a dream, listen, this is, this is Jesus. We read it, right? And, and he's going to be, name him Jesus and he's going to save his people from their sin. Emmanuel, God with us. And at that point, Joseph's got a decision to make, right? There's this hope. The Messiah has come, and, and Mary's carrying the Messiah. But, but I still have this problem. Mary and I are engaged, and if I take her to be my wife, people are going to think that we, you know. I mean, in our culture, we go, well, what's the big deal about that? Because in our culture, it's like normal to do something like that. But in that culture, it wasn't. It was death. Seriously. If not, if not death, it was, it was ostracism. It was, he, he's a carpenter. He's a young carpenter. He's got a carpenter business. He's, he, he has this hope of, of his own future. And now God has visited him and changes, you know, hey, I'm about to change your world. You're just going to have to trust me. People may no longer want to buy your stuff, may not want you to be their carpenter, may not want you to do this. This is going to impact you financially. This is going to impact you socially and relationally. This is going to have a huge impact on your life, Joseph. Here's what I want you to do. Take Mary as your wife. Because I'm promising you there's, a, there's better days. This is about my promise and better days. It isn't about your word. It's about my bigger story, my bigger promise. See, we always have a tendency to think it's just about us personally. See, I'm just going to preach forever today because there's no Browns game. I just, you got to get this. It is God's promises in his future. Yes, we are impacted personally, but it is so much bigger than us. It's so much bigger than your personal situation. Joseph was being asked, to make great sacrifices if he was going to act on this promise. His decisions in the present were being impacted by whatever he believed the hope of the future was going to be. And God had given a hope and he had given in the Old Testament and he had fulfilled it over and over again. And it was about a promise and it was about a person and Jesus. But now it was coming down to a decision. What is Joseph going to do in the present? And this is what verse 24 says. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. His decision in the present was based on the hope of a promise. So what decision will you make? What decision will you make? When Jesus tells his disciples this in John 14 and tells us, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's dark right now. These are difficult days right now. This is hard right now. What's the future look like? What's the future look like for my family? What's the future look like for our nation? What's the future look like for our church? It's dark. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come get you so that you will always be with me where I am. That's a promise. That's not the only promise. There are promises of hope that, 
that Jesus is coming again, that Jesus will restore, that Jesus will make all things right. How does that hope for better days impact your decisions in the present? As we walk through this season of waiting and Advent, longing and rejoicing and hoping, worship team come, I've got three questions. Is your hope centered on the person of Jesus Christ or on something else? Is your hope centered on the person of Jesus Christ or something else? And secondly, as you've grown as a Christian, has your hope expanded or diminished? How has hope changed how you presently live your life? Let's bow our heads. Right now, the Lord is offering hope and maybe somebody needs hope. Maybe you need the hope of salvation today. Maybe you need forgiveness of your sin. Maybe you don't have that confidence and that confident hope in the name of Jesus. And right now in the present, as Jesus is promising you forgiveness of sin and eternal life with him, as Jesus is promising you better days, if you will put your faith and your hope in him, you're at a decision point in your life. And today, let me ask you, will you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Will you put your faith in Jesus today? If that's you, and you've not put your faith in Jesus, or maybe, maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ, will you slip up your hand today? I want to pray with you. I need to give my life to Christ today. I need to give my life to Jesus today. If you're online, will you let us know in the comments? Will you just let us know, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I need to put my hope in Him. Secondly, today... If you're here and you say, you know what, I, I'm struggling with hope. I'm struggling to find hope. I, I just need a renewing of hope. And that's you today. You've just been struggling and you need a renewal of hope found in Jesus and in the promises of God and his word. Will you just slip up your hand today? I just need a renewing of hope in my life. Jesus, we thank you today. We ask you, Lord, to give hope. We ask you, Lord, to pour out your spirit and give hope and give life and give healing today. Lord, I just pray that you would renew our confidence in you. You would renew our hope in you. Hope, God, that you offer us. Hope that you promise. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information, about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.